time for another exciting episode of First Strike. Before we start the show, we're going to plug our sponsor, FaceFaceGames.com, the number one place to get your Magic of the Gathering singles. Today's weekly sale is not up yet. There's been lots of work, lots of things to be done. Wrap up Magic Fest Calgary. So tomorrow, what's going to happen tomorrow? Tomorrow, up to 50% off select legacy singles. So it'll be up tomorrow around noon Eastern. And definitely check the site out, uh, if, especially if you're playing Legacy, to see what's up for sale. Um, today, full cast with us. Really exciting stuff. Uh, back from Magic Fest Calgary, so lots to talk about. Uh, but let's just jump to the more important tournament. It, it's sad that it overshadowed um, Attila first win and, and all the other Canadians doing well with different modern decks. Um, I, I even felt like the work that I did is, is sort of like, who cares? Uh, not only was the Mythic Invitational happening, but also because they, they released all these preview cards and uh, the, the awesome trailer. There was so much stuff that uh, for the first time, I just felt like, damn, they, they shouldn't have put Magic Fest Calgary this weekend. I was, I was really bummed uh, that the people w- didn't get the attention that they got. Like, no one's going to really know uh, until for one or who top eight it. So that, that honestly sucks. But. Now let's 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 go to Andy, who was really enthusiastic about the the event. Uh, I, I couldn't get a chance to watch it, obviously, since I was covering Magic Fest Calgary. But uh, from talking to you on Facebook, you seem really pumped about uh, what happened. Yeah, I think I described it as uh, the best Magic event I have ever watched, and I truly feel that way. It was incredible. The production value was super high. The commentators were awesome. And like I liked the high-energy feel of what the players were doing and also the high-energy uh, like commentators. Like I think of, like, I don't want to, I'm not, like, insulting what they do, but, like, Simon Gerson, for example, he doesn't excite me when he talks. He, like, kind of builds up a bit of intensity with, like, the tone of his voice, and he's good at what he does. But, like, hearing, like, the, the people who were commentating this event, they just did such a better job at making it it's exciting. Like, how cool was it to have David Williams and Brian Kibler just casually loving the game? They, they love it. They, they were super excited about all, of all that's going on. They were very professional. And I think that's the kind of coverage I want to see. And the coverage was awesome. And I think the biggest takeaway for me from this event was how it was counterintuitive. So usually you think in the paper tournaments, you'll get like more feeling from people because of the face-to-face interaction. It's just the complete opposite. Because, like, I'll, I'll never forget what, myself watching uh, Savitz and uh, Piotr playing in the top four, how intense those final moments were. It was like, you could see the players just, like, because they're on the other side of a screen from each other and they don't, they're not actually looking at each other. They're just, like, showing all their emotions on how, like, stressed they are, how intense it is. And, like, oh, my God, I just drew this insane card. And thank God I drew the lightning strike. And it was awesome. It was so cool to finally see like a bunch of emotion from players. It got me hyped into it. I couldn't do anything else but watch. I couldn't focus my attention anywhere else. And I don't know how you guys feel when you watch Magic tournaments, but I remember Rob on the cast before is like, you watch it on mute, you do something else. Maybe not for the Pro Tour, but you, you do something else. I wasn't doing anything else while watching that top four match. I couldn't. I couldn't take my eyes off it. It was incredible. I, I, I love the production value. I love the commentators. The format wasn't that exciting, but the games ended up being super exciting, at least some of them, and it was awesome. That's nice. To, so you're saying that the addition of all, all these um, different people, like uh, commentators that I've never seen before were, were a huge addition. Um, of course, you, you still got the people complaining about best of one, and, and I can't help but but see like LSV's tweet today. In a nutshell, it's like three. It's like a cartoon, three panel cartoon. I fail. Well, at least you tried your best. I didn't. Well, there's always next time. Nah, I'm good. So it just seemed a lot of people didn't like it. But what was your take on that? Like on the best of one? Yeah. Like I think they wanted to showcase. Like something exciting about magic, like best of one is pro- like more exciting and more easier to digest to someone's fresh eyes than someone who like has to learn about sideboarding. Like explaining sideboarding to a new player is like, oh, you bring these fifteen cards in and you tech out your deck in the middle of it, but uh, you can board up to more cards if you want, or you can take out as many cards as you put in. It's like up to you. 
obviously like almost always you just put in and take out the same amount, but there's just so much nuance to it because then they have to think about building a sideboard. Like when they're building decks, when they're buying cards, but with best of one, they just buy their deck and they play that deck and then they play their other deck when they've bought that deck. It's way simpler to digest and it's way better for a, a consumer point of view from non like invested players, which is where you're going to get the big money. That's what they need. The invested players, we're going to play no matter what. What they need is these new people coming over. And I thought this tournament did such an incredible job at getting new people to come over. The views were insane. Twitch views were incredible. I, was, I couldn't believe it. They were just <laughs> crushing it. And then YouTube hits on the video, like when they posted that incredible trailer. That trailer has me more interested in the lore of magic than I've ever been in my entire life. I genuinely want to know how the story ends. And like when they explain like how the stories expanded all these different sets, like, oh, like Nicol Bolas got the the immortal son from here. He like went to out the Amonkhet and did all this stuff. All of a sudden I'm genuinely kind of interested. This is a story full of characters that I'm interested in. So they've done an incredible job. Honestly, I think hats off to them. The like the format, people can nitpick on it because it wasn't perfect and maybe they'll do something different. But they didn't want to just do like the classic Hearthstone stuff where they just like sw- switch decks completely. So this is like a little bit of a variation on it. Tried to mitigate the like play draw thing as best they could. And I think uh, it'll get better. I think I'm not sure if it might be better to do this than it would be to do best of three because of how attractive it is to new players. So, so if you were them, you would just run it back for the most part next year? Well, I would, I would hope that they can come up with the better ideas, their jobs. But <laughs> I, I think it's better for a new player to digest. And like, like they won't be so intimidated to like play. Sideboarding is sort of intimidating. And I think the best of one format, the, the way they did it, is actually pretty good. Like, it's fine. I think, uh, I hope they do something a little different, but I think it was better than best of three would have been uh, for the new players. Okay, Elliot, you, you got, you had time to watch, but what's your take uh, on the whole thing? I agree a lot with Andy. The format, in a nutshell, is like, was not that exciting for me. I think that, uh, while a lot of the early games were interesting to watch, most of the entertainment in, when you get, to like deep in the top 16 and especially in the top four was more about specific moments rather than entire matches, which is, you know, not for me what I enjoy in watching magic. Like I've, I've watched countless hours of old pro tour coverage, even pro tours that I watched live just because the games are interesting um, when it, when it boils down to it, but, you know, watching the, the 50th mono white versus Esper matchup was kind of, I don't know, it gets, it gets really boring after a while for me, whether they have Kai's wrath or cry in the Carnarium or that just means the mono white player wins if they don't. So uh, like, I'm, I'm hopeful that in the future, like, like Andy said that they can make a better format. I'm not sure if that means it's best of three, because obviously um, it's, it's harder to get into best of three. A lot of people were saying that, the Invitational got them interested in Magic. We had like four times the viewers that we had for for past events and past Pro Tours. Even I think the biggest Pro Tour recently was 40K and people were like freaking out about it. And this had, I think, 120K at one point. So it's, it's obviously really amazing. I, I thought the event was insane. Um, you know, n- not not quite nothing bad to say. Like there were there were some things that could be improved on. And I genuinely believe with how big of a step up this event was that the next one's only going to get any better. I I don't know if they're going to, you know, take two steps back for the next pro tour because it's not quite as extravagant as as a PAX East tournament for a million dollars, but I'm really hoping a lot of stuff carries over. I thought it was a lot of fun to watch and um a lot of fun to cheer people on. I thought the emotions were great. There's like one moment in particular that that um resonates for me which is when Savitz is uh playing against um I, f- I forget her name pterodactyls for the win i think when he has a teferi emblem and chooses to pass the turn instead of casting chemistry's insights to exile her lands and she top decks carnage tyrant with some rhythm the wilds in play 
and Savitz immediately like throws his hands up. He like it's like the one card that he didn't play around by holding the chemisters in sight. He's like <laughs> losing his mind, and it's just something you never see in paper because the game's not done. In, like in paper tournaments, you sometimes see emotion at the end of a match when it's like the final pivotal moment. This was like turns left to be played. I think he ended up losing, but like four turns later, five turns later, and just to show that emotion was, I think, really great. So I'm I'm hoping to see more. Hoping to see maybe some best of three, some more interesting magic. Um, but I, I thought it was great. I loved it. All right. It was it was like watching like playoff basketball versus watching like golf is how it felt like the intensity you could feel the intensity with all that money on the line you could feel how much that meant to them that's like eighty thousand dollars for like a game of magic you could feel it it was awesome and like the golf thing is like so all i can all that keeps going through my head is like tim willoughby like whispering in the into the mics be like oh and he's drawn this card oh he may have done it but here it's like oh my god he drew the card <laughs> and it's just that's way more awesome to watch it honestly especially for new players get them in here before i swing it to derek i want to give a shout out to jonathan good part of the first Strike nation he's he's the coordinator uh for uh the regional coordinator for all judges in canada um Super awesome guy, but he, he told me, he's like, hey, did you notice in 2019, since Derek uh, took a break, that, that he's now positive Derek. So, positive Derek, what do you think about <laughs> the Mythic Invitational? Yeah, I, I don't really think I have anything else more to say other than what Andy and Elliot covered. I, I thought it was great. Uh, the numbers were amazing. The casters were amazing. The players were amazing. A little upset that uh, Canister didn't win, but... At least he came second. Um, I don't actually know where. I know Elliot was keeping track of um, our bracket, who who actually won. But uh, the the entire thing was great. Um, I know Keith works for an esports company in Toronto, and they released a video today. And the the guy doing the video said that he picked up um, Magic in January. And he, he, he said that this Mythic Invitational put everybody, like everybody's idea of magic into an esports category now. And I, I think that uh, he also outlined the thing about the sideboarding is, like Andy said, sideboarding is very difficult for new players. And it's a very difficult concept, especially when you have to now explain to people that you have to buy all these cards and they only go in these specific spots, which is sideboarding. And this is a sideboard card. Um, for the first Mythic Invitational, I think. Although not a great format, um, the best of one was what was needed. And I hate it. I would hate every minute of it. Uh, That's the only thing I disliked about it. But I think that it's really necessary for what it was. Going forward, I think there can be some fixes. I don't know what that is exactly. I haven't put a lot of thought into it. but. There has to be something better to make the like the experience as a competitive player better. You even saw complaints from some of the people in the event and competitive players outside of the event. So I, I think that that's the one thing they can improve on. Other than that, I think everything was great. Uh, it was so sweet. I loved it. Um, any any mentioned the the trailer and obviously uh, for War of the Spark. Obviously, that's one of the biggest news. Also. Um, YouTube trending on YouTube, still trending one of the top. It's now down to still in the top 10. And I think it's 5 million views, something insane. And then I, I was showing my wife and then I showed her like some of the other ones, the Amakit ones. And it, there is a noticeable difference. Maybe it's just because I like Lincoln Park. Um, and obviously it really added to it the haunting cover of, of in the end. Um, I would, I, whoever decided to finally take it a step up for the trailer, hats off. I, I don't know who decided to do that, but if there's just a noticeable, significant difference between this and all these other ones that were they just like the Amakent one is just like they show the, the Amakent and how Egyptian it is and whatever. And here it's just like there's this like intense moment, epic. Um, I think all of you must have seen it, John, uh, outside of preparing for Magic Fest Calgary, that you get a chance to check out the awesome trailer. 
Yeah, it was great. Um, I, I did have a, I did get a chance to look at, um, watch them uh, invitational as well as the uh, trailer here. It was like much more theatric, and rather than like just like an exposition of a world or expo- like a, a preview of like a story, like it's been the other previews. So it was great, and as you said, like it was like trending number four uh, on YouTube. Period, and it got like <clears throat> ridiculous, like. like into the millions of views over the last first 12 hours. So that's pretty unprecedented. And uh, just, just to add to the invitational point here, like it, it was great. It was high intensity. Um, there was a lot of upsets, which was great for first time viewers. And I, I think we just have to accept that this wasn't, you know, people were upset, you know, including people like Hoogland, for example, that, you know, people, uh, ra- random streamers are getting picked and all that. But, you know, it was like just chalk it up as a promotional event, and it's supposed to attract newer players, which is why Best of One like was a good format in my opinion. And uh, in my in my draft with the, uh, in the eight round draft, like I think five out of our eight uh, seventh rounders, so second from the second from the last round, like they all made it to the um, Sweet Sixteen, which was great. And without without a format like best of one, for example, those guys would have like very little chance versus the MPLers. So even though people are saying that quoting those as negatives, I think it was good for the viewing. And obviously um, it was my first exposure to people like day nine and Kibler and all David Williams and all that. They're great. They're knowledgeable. They're passionate. And um, I think I just hope that this is a great stepping, uh, stepping board uh, for uh, something greater. Sweet. Um... I sometimes forget that I based the show off of uh, first take, Andy, and sometimes we, we do have to cover the whole gauntlet, even though anything is controversial in the news. And I realized this happened truly after the episode. Um, but actually, actually, let's let's do this. How did uh, Elliot? How did you guys do in your predictions? Um, did the challengers have a chance? Uh. So, in terms of our bracket predictions, uh, Andy, Derek, and I picked our our. Uh, 16 to go through to the top 16 from the original group stages. Um, and as Carr kind of mentioned, we all had Owen, so maybe give us a mulligan there, but we, all, we, we ended up tying with 3 out of 16 each. So not the, not the greatest performance there, but I think our predictions were uh, like the bracket specifically aside, I think our prediction was pretty good. Um, the MPL didn't dominate, but you know, the finals is an MPL mirror uh, after, you know, day two is sort of dominated by MPL. And, you know, if you want to be like super lenient towards us, if you expand MPL to MPL plus, you know, sort of professional magic players, you know, you have <laughs> Nassif, Strosky, who are, who are in the tournament, but not in the MPL, you know, give us a bit of leeway. I think that, you know, as expected, professional or former professional players really dominated the event. Not, not to you know, discredit the challengers who I think did really amazing. We saw, you know, you know, the MPL finals was meant that, you know, two challengers were in the top four also. So, you know, I, we saw a lot of really great upsets, a lot of people who, you know, were kind of chalking up their presence at the tournament to happy to be there, uh, having some really great success. But I mean, I'm going to pat myself on the back at least. I don't know how Derek and Andy feel, but I think we nailed it. I uh, just want to take a moment to talk about some I of the... I think we nailed it. I think we nailed it. We got like three out of 16 or whatever. But um, I I think Amazonian, like I became an insta-fan, huge fan after uh, watching her play and like listening to her interviews. Do you know what I did the next day? I watched her stream. And you know what I do? I've watched a bunch of the Challenger streams who I've never watched before. And I had a fantastic time. And this kind of exposure, like beyond just the MPL players who stream, is is awesome. You got like sixty four people or whatever there who all stream. Like, what a great idea! This tournament was so smart. Yeah, and, and that means they definitely chose some of the the right people. If it if it got you to become a fan of some of them, Andy. So so shout out to to Watsi on that, and uh, that also makes me remind me of uh, I did check all the other channels and. It's pretty cool, like, some, some, I don't know if it was Hariruya or, or some Japanese channel actually had, like, a, a Japanese news desk and was using the feed to do Japanese commentary. There are other people that are doing something that were lower production value, but still took, decided to take the effort to have, to have something that was, um, 
impressive. Like uh, there was a French channel as well. Um, I was impressed by that. People were actually going all out uh, this weekend outside of the main, uh, the main channel. Um, so, so like the big thing was when Magic Esports, and I thought I'm like this is way too early, not way too early, but a few days early from April Fools. Uh, but Owen Turtwall will not be participating in the Mythic Invitational, and we are replacing him with Brian David Marshall. And even though it's the official account, I'm just like, what? And it's like, and then VDM the same day had to like pack his bags and go. And uh, since then. We had Kotaku.com come up with an article called Pro Remove from a Million Magic Million Dollar Magic Tournament Accused of Harassing Woman. And uh, this is one of the, the bigger newses of the week. I don't, people are wondering if WotC is going to respond or, or put out an official statement. As it is, I haven't seen anything official outside of. Uh, maybe Twitter accounts um, talking about this, and then myself just over the last couple of months hearing things here, here and there about this type of stuff. But um, for me, there's just nothing. No, am I wrong, Elliot? That there's nothing concrete that that's uh, currently out there. Uh, I mean, I, I it kind of depends on on your <laughs> stance, really. Uh, nothing, nothing from Watsi, at least. But I. I'm inclined to believe 100% what was in the Kotaku article. I, I think that the allegations against him that we saw sort of cropping up on Twitter towards the end of the day that it was announced were, were ultimately true. Uh, it's really unfortunate. I was a, you know, I, I spent a lot of time lauding and cheering for Owen Turtonwald last week on the show and kind of had my foot in my mouth less than 24 hours later. Um, yes, it, I think it's you know really unfortunate this was happening in, to our in our community and that it went unchecked for so long really um so for those who don't know the allegations were that owen turtenwald was uh sexually harassing women in the magic community sending them uh you know sort of like depraved messages or like being very clingy very um forthcoming very like like hitting on them at inappropriate times leveraging his status as a professional magic player to try to get closer to women um, and just sort of just despicable things at the end of the day that I don't know if I can do justice at libbing the story from Kotaku. So um, the article there is definitely one to check out if you want to get more of the details. Um, yeah, really, really sad this was happening. Eric. That's that's kind of all I all I have to say. I uh, I don't think the the Watsi will make a statement. Um, I don't know much about the American. Uh, judicial system, I guess that's what you would call it, but I was reading on the Twitter verse, and as, this is as far as I know that they could catch um, like a defamation um, suit um, if they don't have proof, and I don't like I said, I don't know much about the law, but I don't know if that's something that they really want to go through, or that a lot of people who are involved in this or would be involved in this want to go through, through a court system. I know that this process is always very draining for those involved. So I think um, if I had to make a guess, Watsi would just avoid the entire circumstance entirely and not make a statement in case that happens. I think what, what has been said has already done enough damage um, for his career. Uh, I don't know much else, and I don't really know if I want to say much else just because it's all spec- speculatory, right? Obviously, like it's a very heavy subject, and um, you gotta you gotta gotta find the right sources and believe the right thing. But but I think that this is good that they removed him from the event, and of course we had BDM, who was always great. I love BDM. It's unfortunately he went O two, but that's the that's the name of the game. Yes. I mean, I, I, I tweeted that I was cheering for him, and everyone just replied, he has no chance. And they were right. Go ahead, Andy. Yeah, he's uh, perhaps was uh, my favorite player. And uh, I, it was just pretty, I was really upset. I was like, like 
upset, like knots in my stomach, just thinking about how like someone I looked up to so much could do something so horrible to people. And uh, I think if I'm assuming that uh, the allegations are true, and I think the best result would be for Owen to step down from the MPL. Well, like voluntarily just step down. That's what I would like to see to not like force Watsy into this like litigation thing. Cause like one thing I've learned through like some like law classes that I've taken is like the last resort any business wants to do is ever go to court because it's just, there's literally no winners. So that's what I hope. I hope Owen uh, steps down. Maybe uh, Bill works on himself and uh, I don't know, really takes to heart the things he's done. I, yeah, I really respect uh, anytime how, how you feel about these topics, Andy, every time it's like Dan Lantier, you're like, thank you, next. That's, <laughs> that's your, your stance on these things. Um, Shouts to Ariana Grande, right? <laughs> I think it's important to take really hard stances on these kind of things. I think it's important not to like let it slide because they're this big name person that you look up to and you may love their personality on stream and love watching them play and just hearing them talk their antics. And I think you have to be able to put all that aside and, and like take yourself away from it and not support them when these kind of things happen and not just let, let things slide. That's how it happens too often to people who are like really big. Like, for example, uh, there's a, a big streamer named Dr. Disrespect, one of my favorite streamers. I, I subbed to him. I watched him all the time. And then he was caught, like, that he's cheated on his wife a whole bunch, and he admitted it on stream. And I've, I've not watched very often since. And I think it's important to, even if you're entertained, you like watching them, that uh, you take a stance against this kind of stuff. And I think separating yourself and not supporting it is important, even if you could still enjoy it i think it's important to not support them no gray area just black white i'm no longer a part of that um this is a tough question but i i see the the criticism on twitter on reddit a lot it's like how could reed and uh, and huey let this happen and uh i think to me it's just easy to say and it's just um but sometimes you just hear things and they're, they're not true and you don't know. So um, it's hard for me to comment uh, without being in that exact situation. And I mean, Hey, I was, I was friends with Dan Lantia. He was, he was a cheater. I didn't know. And, and there's just stuff you hear from your friends that I, I, you know, I'm, unless I have actual, unless I know for sure, I, I don't really act upon it. So I don't yeah, know. If it's, have, it's not easy. It isn't like, it's not easy to do, but it is important to do. Right. Um, okay, let's go to Magic Fest Calgary, where uh, John decided to whip up Dredge. Um, the god of the graveyard still decided to pick up a graveyard deck. Um, how did it go, John? How did it go? Um... Uh, so I, I posted a battle plan, or uh, KOT posted a battle plan on, on Twitter. I followed the exact list except the for the main event where I last minute cut my Damping Sphere for my Leyline of the Void. I proceeded to play three Tron uh, decks in a row and lose three times, instantly getting punished. But other than that, it was great. Um, I won. I won like I almost I almost top aided the Friday PTQ. I did top eight the Friday PTQ, uh, sorry, Sunday PTQ with Dredge, same same list. Lost to the eventual winner. Deck is still great, and uh, I I this was probably the most prepared I've been and for a tournament, and that's saying something if you guys know my work because I prepare a lot uh, before each tournament, and I've I've been kind of kind of spoiled and accustomed to doing well in modern events so it was a bit of a rude awakening in terms of my main event performance but i'm happy with my um, with my prep and uh, i still think dredge is very good and i made the right choice so still a v i think i came out uh, covering the event feeling like dredge is it phoenix tron uh those were the top three decks out coming out i, I feel like that's what 
everyone's thinking that we're playing the tournament. Um, and Dredge, one of one of your friends, Tobias Ruse, ended up uh, making top eight. Uh, we had Andrew Huska, a friend of mine, ended up winning, uh, going undefeated day one, nine and zero, made top eight, and then my friend Atilafer, who won the whole thing with John Breach. Um, but back to, to to quickly on Is it Phoenix? After watching uh, sweating Huska's games, I could totally feel how Derek and Andy feel about the deck, and it's just, like, ridiculous. Some, some draws are just like, okay, doesn't matter. Um, attack you with Phoenix and attack you with Thing in the Ice, and, and you're dead. That's uh, some draws that I, I just think are insane. Um, well, Elliot, I, I don't know. I didn't know you were... I, okay, I completely forgot you were there. You top-hated the MCQ in Toronto? Okay, I think that's where I was... Um, so all three of you were right about the deck. Uh, super powerful. Definitely a safe choice. Talked to Sean DMTG, um, and he feels the same way about the deck. He won the MCQ on Friday. He was X2 going into day two. Day two didn't go his way, but he had a chance to, uh, to top eight uh, the main event as well. So that deck's definitely still up there. I mean, I talked to Tobias, uh, Johnny. He feels like uh, Dredge is... Is really powerful and just he three owed. Is it Phoenix and he thinks it's a awesome matchup for him. Yeah, I think I think it is, but not as um, overstated as I like people have been saying. I think um, as the deck gets more and more popular, there's going to be new people picking up the deck, and those new people are going to be making mistakes and adding to the percentage of the opposing side. um, Where Dredge is a a deck that's already being figured out or uh, more or less figured out um i've had many people in bad spots surgical snap surgical irrelevant things like amalgams and blood guest and um just for people who's like playing phoenixes out there the cards that really matter in the matchup are only going to be conflagrates and creeping chills unless like you unless your dredge opponent uh discard uh cast cathartic reunion discarding two stinkweed imps or something in which case you can surgical that but you know the 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 real battle is won and lost on the reach half, not the creature half. So, um, as as a Phoenix players uh, adjust, or you know, as bit more and more pe- people become more adept with the deck, the gap's gonna narrow. But I think Dredge is structurally um, equipped to battle and be uh, well off against is a Phoenix, but not as nearly as much as you know my win rate, for example, which is like around 80%. It's more like a 55-45 uh, true matchup. That's my estimate. But yeah, Dredge is still good. So you were, But you were pissed off after day one. You told me like, it's time to bring back the Grishel Daddy for, for day two at the MCQ, but you didn't do that. So what changed your mind? Oh, no, I, I was just super upset that I, I cut my damping sphere for an irrelevant ley line and proceeded to play in modern where there's a million uh, different decks tron three times in the first four rounds and like i've never dropped that early like in a in a tournament i was like pretty pretty pissed but uh cooler heads prevailed and um you know i I did top eight the mcq with dredge tomorrow so whatever scoreboard for the record john was the most (laughs) angry if, if angry i've ever seen him he was mad he was bad. Um, but we're seeing... Uh, what, I had a chance to talk to Sean and, and pick his brain on the deck, and it is interesting. And, and Andrew Huskon, is it Phoenix? The evolution of the deck, um, how Power Mentor Ascension is now widely adopted as a main deck choice, and uh, Huskon went up and goes up to three, cutting all the Crackling Drakes, which I've talked to Andy about. But Sean is not convinced, because Crackling Drake allows you to win certain games and attacks from a different angle. He feels like after post-board, there's Ravenous Trap. There, there are things that make Power Master Ascension not uh, a gimme in terms of winning the game, and Crackling Drake allows you, again, uh, when people have all these hate cards, you still allows you to win. Andy, uh, to that, what say you? Are you going zero, or are you leaving some Drakes in? I w- I'm, c- I'm certainly going to play some Crackling Drakes. I think it's like just so good against graveyard hate. It's like one of the reasons your deck is so good is because you can't get hated out because it's like you have the thing in the ice angle of attack that doesn't use the graveyard. You have arc like Phoenix, which if you don't like hate it out with like a surgical or something, it's just going to beat you down over and over. And then you have crackling Drake. This like, okay, like you've dealt with all my Phoenixes and my other stuff. All right, here's a one turn kill go. Oh, and I draw a card. 
Like it's it's too much. Playing around graveyard hate is just the reason it's in the deck. It's so good against graveyard. Excuse me, graveyard hate. And one of the reasons that the deck is like the new Splinter Twin, where it's just slowly evolving into having only good matchups. The only thing that it doesn't have <laughs> that Splinter Twin has is it doesn't have like like a good counter spell, which is why Twin was so good. Is because it got to play at instant speed and got remand. And when remand is good, it is hella good. But the thing is, it's it's just bad now. I think uh, I would certainly play Crackling Drake. I'm on board with the Pyromancer's Ascension, though. It makes a lot of sense. And I think, uh, I don't know, it's certainly like over Terramander in the Terramander slot for me. So I'd probably just play two main, two Crackling Drake. That's about it. I think, yeah, I think everything else is... It's almost figured out now at a point where... Yeah, there's argument for, for more Ascension's doing better because if there's more Phoenix in the matchup and, and both Sean and Andrew, um, they both agreed that, that it's one of the best cards uh, in the mirror. So uh, that, that might become important. Uh, Derek, how's, how's your testing? Oh, go ahead, John. Yeah, sorry. I just wanted to add that, um, uh, yeah, an interesting question is, like, before, when people were moving to Crackling Drake, the consideration was, how do we diversify our threat base so that we're not, we don't even care about um, Graveyard Hate? Because before, we were playing um, Betlam Reveler, and the reason we moved off of that beca- was because f- uh, for that Graveyard Hate consideration. And the other thing is, Modern is very, very cyclical, and uh, here's an example. Like In the Modern Challenge on Saturday, there were six human decks in the top 32, whereas the Phoenix was more muted. And as as the hate, as Dredge and Phoenix become more visible, the deck will move towards more um, more surgicals over gut shots in the main. And you know, humans have obviously risen up a bit over the last week or so, so that might switch up, and uh, we might see more gut shots. And you know, I don't know the deck well enough, but maybe we'll we'll lose the zero mana spells or we'll lessen the zero mana spells. I don't know. I I, I don't think it's. 100% figured out yet, maybe like 90% of the list, but I still think there's a lot of like iterating to do like from like week to week. Derek, how's your testing going? It's going well. Um, I think like the, mo- the modern format's solved in a sense. Like I think that like you said, Dredge is powerful, Phoenix is powerful, Tron's powerful. I think uh, Blue White's in an okay position. I think Death Shadow's in an okay position. Um, I think... Uh, hold on, I thought we bagged on Blue-White last week. I think Blue-White's awful. I think it's a terrible deck choice, but I, I think that it can win because people, people will put random cards in their deck that makes the deck good because you don't... like The, the, the thing about control decks is that they're trying to answer your threat, and if, if they have the specific answer, they can beat you. But like statistically, they just won't do that that often. That's the issue with blue-white. The thing about blue-white is if you get the chance to run hot and you have the specific answer, like you look at these blue-white decks on goldfish and they have like one ofs in their deck or they have like random two ofs in their deck and it's like, what is going on here? It's like, well, they're obviously playing against the decks that it's pre-boarded against already and beating it. So like blue-white has this opportunity to... To, yeah, John, I, I played against somebody on Moto today with, uh, with four Relic, one Thirst for Knowledge, and some, uh, a one main deck, Rest in Peace. And they're just trying to beat Dredge and uh, Phoenix, right? But like, they're not going to beat Tron as consistently. They're not going to beat these other decks as consistently, you know what I mean? So like, it's, to me, the blue-white deck will never be the best deck, but it's good enough to do well. And, and like, I think that's, that's why blue-white's bad even more, because it's a trap. Because you have all these players who are saying like, oh, blue-white's good again. It's like, no, you got lucky today. Like, play, play 100 matches with this deck and you won't go very far. Or like, your, your subset's way too small or you got lucky this weekend sort of thing, right? Whereas like, Dredge is consistently doing the same thing. Dredge is a glorified burn deck, but burn's awful. And Dredge is actually like in a good position. Um, a, because I don't think people are packing enough hate for it. And B, it just the way it functions is good against the format. It's really hard for Phoenix to like, work its own game plan and be Dredge's game plan at the exact same time and not just be dead on like turn three. And like, that's why 
Dredge is normally winning the matchup is because they almost always steal game one. It's really hard for you to have double surgical and like keep, like if you keep a surgical in your opener hand, you're like, okay, I hope my opponent's on Dredge or Phoenix because this card's dead against Amulet, this card's dead against Tron, this card's dead against Burn, this card's dead against Blue White. You know what I mean? And so like, I think Dredge gains some percentage points there. I guess I forgot Amulet. I also think Amulet's a decent choice if you're good at the deck. Um, but I think Amulet also has a couple fatal flaws in it that I think will not make it the best deck. Whereas Phoenix is the best deck because its fatal flaws are avoidable, which is, I think, a good reason why you should be playing Crackling Drake and not overloading on things like um, Ascension, because Ascension's really bad against stuff like Leyline or uh, Eidolon of the Great... Eidolon of the Great Rebel and Eidolon of Rhetoric. Um, you, you, it basically makes your deck less threat-dense and more synergy-based, which is sort of what you want to step away from because there will be decks specifically trying to pinpoint and stop your combo, which Ascension doesn't help you in that regard at all. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that Dread, like, I think the deck that won the GP this weekend and the deck that came second, I think that's an anomaly. I would not pick either like a scape shift shell or a Grixis death shadow shell to win an event, but I would expect them to be in top eight. Um, and that's basically how I feel about the format. So John, John, what did you think about uh, my man Attila first deck? I mean, I think uh, on one hand, you have people that say that it looks like a pile on the other hand, We've had some Twitter people and, and Jen, Jen Kratz in the chat tweeted back when people were like, man, you just added fail pushes. Everyone's calling him a genius. And uh, people are pissed about that. And <laughs> what's your take? <laughs> well, I've, uh, I actually have a little bit, little bit of history of Valakut decks. I always think that, you know, going through the metagame, I think it's well positioned. That then I would uh, rent a deck on Mana Trader, take it for uh, a league or two, and fail miserably and then never touch it again. And I would repeat like every two, three months. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I think I, I thought Valakut um, Titan Shift was fairly well positioned, but I would have preferred a White Splash for um, Path as well as Timely, uh, Ghostly Prison, Rest in Peace, Stony Silence rather than um, Black. Um, I, I had a few issues with um, uh, Attila, Attila um, his, uh, his list, and uh, I would love to hear from him uh, his uh, thought process, but uh, just a few things. One, I think the basic swamp is unplayable. Like it, it, it's just, it doesn't cast enough of your important spells and it doesn't trigger Falcon, et cetera. I think it's, it's, it's just not good. Two, I think Fatal Push, EE, and um, Abrupt Decay or Assassin's Trophy, it's, it's just like too diverse. Like it, it feels like it's too unfocused and you don't know what you're trying to target. Um, I feel like a white splash with a simple um, uh, fetch land uh, uh, change as well as like one or two. Uh, uh, not Temple Garden, like Sacred Foundry for Path would be better because because uh, the Fatal Push was specifically for Shadow and uh, Awoken Horror, I think. And White covers that. White gives you timely reinforcement. White gives you Rest in Peace and Stony Silence. And you're really not sacrificing a lot of your um, uh, power level by diluting your deck with the Breach component. Uh, granted, Breach is going to be able to erase a lot of the fast nonsense in, in the format with Simming Spirit Guides, but um, yeah, I, I I like Valakut variants. I wasn't really a fan of the this particular variant, and um, if someone's listening, if Attila's listening out there, I'd, I'd love to hear the rationale on some of your choices. Hmm. Well, he, he told me he really wanted Fatal Push just because he hated Flame Slash and Lightning Bolt, and and he wanted something uh, against specifically. It was bringing up thing in the ice as as a huge problem for him. Yeah, yeah, but like half the XL covers all that. I don't think right. Slaughter Game is very good right now because there's no at nauseum. There's no Lunatics playing Grishel Brand. There's no one playing like um. There's there's some people playing Amulet, but you can just race them. And White just gives you so much more access to uh, so much more. Versatility in terms of your impactful cyborg cards. Um, so, in a combo centric um, 
actually in the KCI era, black, the black splash I think was very good because you can you can name KCI, you can name um, uh, Grape Shot, you can name Ad Nauseum, etc. But I I don't really see a lot of merit for a black splash right now. That's my personal opinion. Kind of makes sense. Moving forward, maybe people will experiment with Attila's uh, shell and then swap the black for white. Um, like what you're saying makes a lot of sense to me, and I and I will pick his brain. I'll I'll, I'll ask him what what you said. I, I do love the Chalice of the Void, um, especially with the uh, Simeon Spirit Guide uh, version of it. I think Chalice hits a lot of um, top tier decks right now, especially the ones that um, Scapeship uh, Valakut may get raced on uh, against, like Shadow, um, uh, Shadow and Phoenix, for example. So I, I I really do like that portion of the uh, of the deck building. So Derek, to get to, to make things clear for our listeners and, and and our first strike fans, right now, if it was tomorrow, you're probably playing Phoenix, right? Yes. I I don't know if anybody who's going to the Pro Tour will be listening to this, but I am probably locked on Phoenix as of right now. The issue is figuring out the perfect 75 I want for the event not necessarily the archetype I want to play. I think that the, the, whole, the, the personal problem that I have with modern, and I usually describe it as a flaw, which some people see it as a positive, is that the format is sort of random, if you will. There's not necessarily a defined like, state of what modern is um, from time to time, um, from event to event. So what you have to do is you have to figure out how to play your deck, whatever deck you play the best, and then just adjust from there and just jam matchups along the line. Like I assume Edgar will be playing Amulet. I assume Tron players will be playing Tron decks. I assume Dredge players will be playing Dredge decks because they know these decks the best instead of trying to play the best deck and trying to beat a format. They're just trying to play whatever best deck whatever deck they're best with and trying to just do their own thing. Um, So I think that's because I believe that I'm going to be subscribing to that philosophy also, and just trying to play Phoenix and play it the best I can and figure out whatever deck, um, whatever deck list is best for that weekend. Uh, And then hopefully try to crush the draft format. (laughs) <laughs> when is it what when, when's the tournament I'm three, uh, the 22nd to the 23rd so 20 days from now oh crap yeah I mean uh, the, the only thing I'll actually have to put time and effort in is learning the mulligan which they'll just be implementing on moto in I think a week or so um that's kind of annoying. I just don't really want to deal with that either, but this is the world we live in. And we're just drafting the old format, basically? Well, now that it's old? No, it's nope. the... I'm, I'm like, I don't know exactly how we're going to do it or how I'm going to do it, but the PT is MTG War. Oh, wow. The weekend, wow. Uh, it's released. Oh, right. So it... It's released on Friday, and we our first draft starts at nine a.m. <laughs> and uh, it's just like it, it obviously puts me at a huge disadvantage. I'm not on a a pro super team. Um, I think that like if I have to do well, well at this event, I'm going to have to get better than average lucky and hope that my modern deck uh, really really holds up to the test. Yeet, as the kids say, I believe. <laughs> so lucky to get to go to the pro tour where you're just not allowed to practice. Yeah, yeah. Like of all the times I could have, like, I was very excited to finally qualify for a PT that's not in North America. My other two were Nashville and uh, Minneapolis. Was it Minneapolis? I don't even remember where it was. Wherever the Mall of America is, I don't. I don't even know. I'm like, yeah, I get to go to London, and they announced the format. Modern, great. Uh, new mulligan rule. Sweet. You can't test it except for two weeks up to the event. All right. And uh, a limited format that nobody's played before. 
<laughs> with a planeswalker in every pack. <laughs> like I, I have so many like mixed emotions about this event specifically because it's just the worst for me. And obviously, like you qualified for the pro tour, stop complaining. But I'm not going to. This is just awful, you know. Like it, I would not be surprised if the top eight was just enfranchised players who are on super teams. Um, and I don't know if we want to draft up a nice little bracket for that also and make a little uh, top eight. Um, what's it called? Guess. I guess is that's, that's not the best word. But Prediction. <laughs> Prediction. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Yeah. Top eight dartboard toss. Oh man! Um, For all you kids at home, just put the books down and play Magic Online. You can be as good at Magic as Derek. Really bad at the words, though. Yeah, I don't learn very well, but I know Magic names to Magic art extremely well. I like how for you, the Pro Tour just got progressively worse and worse as announcements happened. Like, all right, Derek, it's modern, buddy. You're like, shitty. Well, well. And then you're like, hey, hey, Derek, it's. There's also a draft. You're like, okay, I can I can learn some draft. It's like, you, you never get to see the cards. Yeah. No, it's... it's and guess what? Want to, want to know what, what's going to be in there, too? Something that's never happened before. Yeah. Planeswalkers in every pack. And Good uh, luck. It was, it was brought up today. I was watching Canister's stream, and somebody was talking about the PT. And, like, could you imagine be, not being a native English speaker and drafting? And you have to read all the cards because like, I think my memory is pretty good, but my memory is not going to be good to probably memorize everything about the card. The first week it like it's released, right? Like you have to play with them a bit. You have to like, there, there are certain words that you miss, like a may, a may trigger or a must trigger or a target or like stuff like that. Imagine it like being your second language. And this is going to be very difficult. I think it's going to be, the rounds are going to go slower. Uh, it's going to take longer to draft. There might be a couple uh, mechanical issues in the actual like function of drafting. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Like I'm hopeful that it'll be fun and it'll be exciting, and I hope to at least like four to the draft portion. Uh, yeah, that's when I do a pre-release, I read a bunch of the cards. I tell right, you, right, like, like half the I'll, cards. I'll read the spoiler. And like somebody will play something against me and I'll just be like, I don't know what that does. Is that this card? And they'll be like, no, 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 it's this one. And I'll pick it up and read it to make sure like that's going to be happening the entire time, but we're at the pro tour. <laughs> yeah. Or you learned that it works slightly differently than you thought because you just like glanced over it. Right. Or like you read something for the first time. Like I said, like I've definitely made mistakes where I think a card is a may ability or it's a must ability. Or it costs two in a black instead of one in a black. Or it's an activated ability. Or like like I said, there's a planeswalker in every pack. And they all have static abilities. And they all have different uh, activated abilities. And it's just... I mean, it's just such at a disadvantage. Like, I feel like I'm just complaining. But. Well, we all die anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Except for Big Squirt here. Um, so I... So, Al, are you going to do anything crazy to prepare for this part, uh, positive, um, Derek? In right now, the way I'm thinking about doing it is just going on one of the spoiler sites when everything's spoiled and just reading over every card, um, maybe making a spreadsheet on how I would rank them personally and then sending them to other people and see how they would rank them. Or... And then, like, if, if I can't get a group of people together to do that or if other people aren't already doing that themselves, um, I may just try to, like, theorize different ways that these cards work together. Because, um, like, they're, they're colored, right? So part of, I think, the draft portion is you have to figure out what the best color combinations are, what the best card combinations are. And so one of the best ways to do that is to just draft a bunch. and. Um, try to like figure it out by like drafting really oddly sometimes, or maybe drafting outside your comfort zone, which is something you just can't do. So I, I don't know. It's just going to be a bunch of theory probably. 
Um, I did get my mocks uh, account that's just stacked with everything. So if they release it on Moto a couple days earlier, uh, I can basically just draft for free on there. So I might do that. Elliot, if this was you, would you like go so far as to go to a spoiler site, print a whole bunch of cards, make up boosters, get a bunch of friends and draft? I definitely wouldn't go that far. I know <laughs> there are some there are some like tools out there that generate packs for you. So I would I would maybe do some of that where like you make it, you generate like a pack and then you know debate with some people what your pack one pick one is. But that's that's pretty much as far as I would go for going super far out of my way to uh, <laughs> like recreate the experience. I would definitely just be like talking to as many people as I can whose opinion I respect um, and try to get as much info about what they think and just bounce ideas off each other because I think that it's it's going to be like super, super hard and impossible for anyone to organize like what you said where you, you create your own draft by printing off cards. I think that, you know, if anyone does it, they're insane. I, like p- people brought it up when it was first announced, and even some of the people on like quote unquote super teams were like, "There's just no way we're doing this." I I think the the big advantage um, on the day of the tournament is going to be whoever has the best card evaluation skills, and so if you can get as many opinions as possible and and really refine your evaluation of all the cards in the set, um, I think that's going to give people the edge. Like a lot of a lot of what I've seen, especially recently, I've been, you know, paying a bit more attention to limited the past, you know, year year or so, maybe a bit more than that uh, than I used to, and it's like been really amazing to me just how much things shift within even a couple of weeks of a format's release in terms of what what the premium cards and colors are. Uh, you know, you just look at the most recent format. We were from the get go thinking that um, black white was garbage, but has some of the best rares, and then you know, blue-white kind of sucked because the commons were bad, and then all of a sudden at the Pro Tour, we saw that blue-white was actually the best deck. You know, forcing that blue-white control deck if you knew what you were doing, and and had you know, a little bit of a, a break in terms of getting the clear of the mines and the removal spells you needed, you would just roll people. So it's, you know, if you can, you know, maybe not get to that point where you break it and have the best deck, but you know, maybe get past the first little pitfalls of, of the card evaluation, um, I think that's that's how you get ahead in this format. I, I mean, I, I agree with you partially, but the, the reason why people were, were missing these clear the mind decks, or even like I remember PT Amonkhet when one of the teams built the Slither Blade Aura deck, um, like those cards are bad cards. Those are cards, like I don't want to play like clear the mind. I don't want to play these other cards. The reason why those decks were unknown and they were like wheeling these cards is because they figured out that this deck was really good if people didn't know about it. And they assumed that people wouldn't know about it and they abused that. And they said that specifically, like Cuneo was the person who came up with that sort of blue, white, no win cons deck. Um, And they just picked that sort of corner of the draft format and broke it, so to speak. I don't think you can do that anymore. Yeah, and I, I, I think that this event specifically, there's going to be a lot less of that or there's going to be a lot more of that. And it's just not going to go well for most people. You know what I mean? I think people are either going to like polarize themselves and do extremely crazy things because they feel like they don't know what they're doing and they have to win somehow or extremely safe things because they feel like that's the best way for them to win a limited game. And your, your draft, uh, your your draft experience in this event specifically will probably be drastically different than like uh, a normal pre-release draft um, event. But I, I could also just be like, uh, like blowing it out of proportion. But I, I think that's what's going to happen. I definitely agree with you. The clear the mind deck is maybe not not the best example for making my point in terms of um, shifting card evaluation being uh, yeah, like that's... evolving a format because that was definitely just one where. You know, when someone sinks 200 drafts into a format, you stumble across this deck that, you know, kind of is built out of the chaff. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you in that part. And like the when you when you start a draft format and then you move a week later, it's completely different. And mm-hmm. you move two weeks later and it's completely different. And then after the pro tour, it's completely different, even if you think the format's solved. Uh, so I agree with you there. Like that's what happened with me and Rob and Amonkhet. 
Rob was always trying to find these really crazy draft decks and I'm just trying to figure out the best way to draft the format. Uh, and like, that's what happened. It shifted from week to week. Yeah. I think, um, uh, a good card for sort of ex- better explaining what I'm talking about is applied biomancy. Uh, when the spoilers came out, everyone thought this was like a premium common. You want like, you know, I don't want to say as many as you can get, but you know, you happily play a couple copies of the card, big blow potential kind of thing. And, you know, the way the format played out, the cards in Simic weren't that good. Apply Biomancy just wasn't wasn't better than plus one, plus one most of the time. It was just like sort of a clunky unsummon. So I think that, you know, if you can be talking to the right people, getting all the all the opinions that you can and discussing it, and, you know, not not getting to the clear of the mind deck because that's just impossible given the circumstances, but getting past the applied biomancy hump, I think that's what's going to get you the advantage. Yeah, I, I think I think you you're very right about that because looking at applied biomancy as a card, this card's good. It it gives you tempo advantage. It gives you um, could give you card advantage in a blowout, and it, it's it's in a guild that you want to be in already, and it works with the guild mechanics. Once you start to play the set, you realize, hey, maybe this isn't that good, like you explained. And I think that that is what, like you said, is really going to push people over the top. But that's also the hardest part about this is because you're just not going to be able to um, sort of duplicate that process. You're not going to be able to do the same, like 200 drafts to find the clear the mind deck. You know what I mean? I might be playing a, a card like Applied Biomancy at this PT and two weeks later drafting and say drafting because I have to draft for the mocks and saying like, I don't know what I was doing with these draft decks. You know what I mean? And, and I think a lot of people are going to be on that exact same sort of uh, roller coaster of a, a draft deck, I guess you could call it. And it's kind of makes me a little nervous um, for the most part, but I mean, I think I'm better than an average limited player. So we'll see. <laughs> you have been on record saying no one, no one knows how to draft before on the show um let's let's wrap it we'll wrap it up um i forgot to mention on mythic invitational on the friday that i got to watch or was it thursday i just it was just sad to see my man alexander hayne just not just draw garbage in the mirror match uh losing to strasky who who worked with him and they, they basically played the same two decks and uh it was like esper gets esper ball red against ball red then esper gets esper and just sad to see Alex ha- just both of them bouncing events just back and forth, but Strasky clearly having the edge in cards and and and, and everything. Um, so it was sad to see him exit. I uh, just want to mention the Magic Fest. It was just awesome to to meet a lot of people. Um, I try my best. My, my job is to not my job, but my goal ever since I started Mana Deprive was to feature up-and-coming Canadian talent, but I definitely still consider myself, even after years of podcasting, a somewhat shy guy, so I hope people don't think that I'm snubbing things on purpose. I, I make it a point to try to meet new people, and uh, that's why I thank John for, for introducing me to, well, sort of indirectly introducing me, because you weren't present, but you, you definitely helped. Tobias Ruse, I got to talk to him for the first time ever, and hope to see more of him. And, and just other people that I had the, the chance to just talk to for the first time. And, uh, yeah, I try not to snub anyone if, if someone's been vying to be featured on anything on faceofacegames.com. It's definitely nothing against you. I try my best. Uh, shout out to Aaron Barrett for uh, being there. And uh, we, we were able to get dinner together. And uh, it was awesome just to meet meet some of the fans. and. I hope my goal is always to be super approachable. So people who came up to me, one guy just came up to say, hey, I just really want a selfie. And then tweeted out that it was like a total fanboy moment for him. So that's sweet. And just a lot of different people just came to say hi and to tell me that they they love the stuff that I do. So um, probably not going to do much in a while that's similar to that because there's no Magic Fest in Canada coming soon. I do want to mention something that all I imagine the whole cast is excited about, so there's no real reason to go dive deep into it, is that CFB announced that um, at, at a particular Magic Fest, it's going to be online 
deck submission only, and they're going to be having uh, stations at the event so that you can do it there if you don't have access to a computer. So that's going to be really awesome because not only is it going to hopefully prevent you from getting uh, deck losses, uh, game losses for just deck uh, misregistration, hoping the tool that they have has some sort of like 60-card, 15-card counter. And the, the main boon for me as a coverage person, as a content producer, it just makes things a lot faster to be able to rip instead of rip it from online from a computer instead of having to decipher someone's handwriting or, or whatever. It just takes a while for the list to get into my hands now. Someone can just send me the data and we can do something about it. And also, um, yeah, quicker to hopefully sort by archetype. And that'd be insane to have like a metal, uh, meta game breakdown right away um, would be absolutely insane. I actually had to, for nationals, I counted every deck list like on paper. I'm like, okay, this is black, red, this is mono red. I went through hundreds of deck lists, took forever. All right, that's for me. Again, shout out to everyone. Jen Kratz in the chat uh, and Telefer, Curly, Cody Crosman, everyone. Jerry Gashadi, sorry that uh, you didn't do anything relevant yet in this tournament. Um, and yeah, that's it for me. Uh, John, anyone you want to shout out? Yes, yeah, shout out to uh, Tobias for picking up the deck at literally 3 a.m. the night before, jamming some games, and uh, proceed to crush everyone. So, good job, Toby. <laughs> One ghost quarter in the main, if you guys are playing Dredge, remember that. Um... Oh, no, 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 don't, don't do that. <laughs> okay. Um, Elliot, anything for you? I'd, I'd like to specifically not shout someone out. They know who they are, and it's because they didn't play Gaddock Teague. Um, so if they, if they listen to this, they know. They should have played Gaddock Teague. <laughs> should have played Gaddock Teague. Okay, Andy. Uh, same thing, the guy. You should have played Gaddock Teague. What are you doing? <laughs> All right. And Derek? Uh, uh, shout out that guy. It was probably a really good idea to not play Gaddock Teague. You're probably justified in your your choice. I know hanging out with Elliot and Andy can be tough sometimes. And sometimes you just got to do your own thing. You know, like sometimes you get punished, but don't worry next time. Don't play Gaddock Teague and it won't come up. <laughs> All right. As always, if you want to support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash first strike. The latest update, big update is dredge. The dredge guy we had made by John himself. Very in depth. When I saw the outline, I was like, Holy crap. He did it again. And uh, people who don't even play Dredge loved it because they were able to learn how John would sideboard against them. So that's useful from that perspective as well. And like I said, definitely one of the top three decks, not only in power, but in popularity and, and, and what people think. So good night. See you next week. And uh, love you all.